Welcome back to another episode of Please Ask Mickey, a podcast where we talk about the real shit when it comes to being a woman. So at the moment, as you know, we're talking, uh, this whole season is about women who inspire me (laughs) because, I mean, it's my fucking podcast. No, it's just inspiring women. Um, And the guest list is insane. And I can't wait for you to hear everyone that I have on. Last week, we had the amazing Bron on the Everyday FIFO Wife who spoke to us about IVF and educated us about that and that journey. It was amazing. And this week on today's episode, we have Danny from The Mummy Republic. And so Danny has a podcast as well, which I recommend you checking out, called The Mummy Republic. And she interviews some really amazing women and she's fantastic. And as I said, I really recommend you checking it out. So on today's episode with Danny, we talk about, we talk about our podcast. We talk about how important it is to support one another and how there is room for us all and there doesn't need to be competition, especially amongst women, how important it is to lift each other up instead of tearing each other down. Um, we also discuss Danny's Danny was a single mum to her seven-year-old, her now seven-year-old daughter. So we discuss her journey being a single mum and her journey into, you know, loving someone else in a blended family and all of that sort of stuff. We also talk about um, Danny is currently pregnant at the moment and she has had, I mean, fucked pregnancy to be honest, um, and has experienced something that none of us would ever, ever want to experience. And although we don't touch on exactly what that is, because I mean, Danny's still trying to process that herself, but we talk about that whole situation and what that's like and how to navigate that. This episode is amazing. I really, really love talking to Danny. She is so insightful and so inspiring. And I think we can learn a lot from her. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. Today's guest, we've got Danny from the Mummy Republic here with us. Who, who is another podcast? This is like for, this is one podcaster to another today. Mm. I know, very scandalous, but I know. <laughs> I know. How dare we support each other? That's yeah. terrible. <laughs> I know, just a bunch of competition, just having a chat together. I know. I know. I'm <laughs> definitely sabotaging this episode. Yeah. You just spend the whole time just like sat, just talking shit. Yeah. <laughs> just talking about how much better my podcast is than yours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, and stop. you're like, where does yours rank on the iTunes? Yeah. <laughs> like, let's talk about my reviews. Thanks. <laughs> no, well, I'm so stoked to have you here um, because, I mean, we've recently become friends. Yeah. Um, because I guess we both are doing similar things, which I love. Like there's nothing, nothing gets me going more than women supporting women and do, and like being and passionate women. It just like makes me want to be around those people. And I think the more of us that are doing it, the better um, because we've all got different audiences and we all reach different people and we all... Um, we all resonate with different people as well. A hundred percent. Well, it's like you and I were talking about yesterday, you know, there are people are going to connect with who they're going to connect with. And I think there's absolutely room enough for everybody. And the more that we can support each other, the more that we can all grow because the truth is none of us really know what we're doing. Like, let's (laughs) be real. "Mm, I don't know. I really know what I'm doing. (laughs) You just unbuttoned your jeans. (laughs) And I just asked you how to start this podcast. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, but apart from that, you really know what you're doing. I'm a professional. <laughs> yeah. But it's true though. Like we're all navigating everything, like motherhood, podcasts, like growing older as women, like we might as well just support each other instead of being competition. Yes. Actually, that's a really interesting to to touch on. Like we were talking about what we're going to discuss in that podcast, but in that podcast, this one. Um, that was that was past me talking. <laughs> yes. Um, and I love, I feel like that's been coming up a lot recently for me is like noticing women, supporting women and that whole like imposter syndrome of like, you know, overcoming that and recognising that there is enough room for you and for everyone and because like what makes someone so special is them is them you know like you and I are very different people and we've both got different shit going on and as you said there's enough room for everyone and instead of that whole like competition and you know like um oh I saw a quote the other day and it was basically I think you saw it as well um people will clap for you so long as you are behind them yes and I think that's something like, I think that's a really powerful statement because yes. you can sit there and preach collaboration mm-hmm. and promoting other women, but the second that somebody starts doing better than you, are you going to stop that or are you going to yep. go, actually, what can I learn from that? And, yes. you know, fuck yeah to her. Like, be, am I allowed to swear? Oh my God. Yes. Uh, yeah. okay. I mean, I assumed it was a yes, but, just, okay. <laughs> but also like, why do we not clap for them and be like, hell yeah, girlfriend, like you've overtaken me within half the amount of time. Like awesome. Because at the end of the day, it's yeah, everyone's going to resonate with who they want and you can't force that on people. So if someone's successful because of something that makes them unique, like let's just celebrate that instead of trying to tear them down or leverage off their success. Like, definitely. I remember actually, and I think it is, it's definitely something, it's an insecurity for sure because I feel like we've all felt it. I know when I used to be more insecure, I used to be triggered by women who were successful and like who were doing things that I wanted to do. And for ages um, I was it was an uncomfortable feeling, you know, and I, and in my head I was like, this is yuck. You shouldn't be feeling like this. Like you shouldn't be, um, you know, off that person because they're doing amazing things, but it came from such a place of insecurity. And once I recognized what that trigger was and I recognized why I was being triggered by those people because they were powerful women in their power doing amazing things, Instead of seeing them as, um, instead of feeling yucky about them, you know what I'm, fe- you know, that feeling of just yeah, like, absolutely. you almost can't really pinpoint what it is, but you're like, oh, I don't even like them. But yep. really you're just threatened by them. Yeah. And once I like overcame that, all of a sudden shit just changed. Once I was cheering those people on and I was cheering on every single woman and it didn't matter what they were doing, how successful they were, whatever it was, if they were passionate about what they were doing and they were loving it and they were doing good in this world, I was like, fuck yeah, I hope you're more successful than me because you're doing amazing things. Like shit just changed. Yeah. And I think it's normal. Like we all... Particularly if somebody's succeeding in an area that you want to succeed in. Yeah. It's natural to be like, well, you know, why her? Why not me? Mm. But it's 
turning those questions around and going, okay, well, why her? What's she doing that I'm not doing? Yes. What can I learn from her? And I think it takes that emotional maturity to get to that point. Definitely. Because, you know, this is a generalization, but when we're in our 20s, we spend so much time comparing ourselves and not for you know, self-reflection or benefit, but just because of that insecurity, because we're like, who the fuck am I and what do I want? And then you get past it and you're like, okay, well, this is what I want to do and this is how I need to get there. And I think yes. we need to sort of come back to that. But it is still normal. I mean, you you will see somebody's done something that you want to do and you're like, oh, fuck you, man. Like, <laughs> I, I want that. That was my fucking thing. Yeah, like <laughs> this is me looking at you and your studio's way cooler than mine. Um, but, but you know what I mean? Like it's about going, okay, well, cool. What, what can I learn from this instead? And it takes a lot of effort. That is not something that we are programmed to do. No, yeah. You have to kind of work on it. It is a very conscious thing. Absolutely. And the other thing, I feel like we spend so much time trying to emulate other people as well. Yes. And yep. so like when we're, and as you said, like in that early 20s sort of, and I mean, I'm still in my 20s because I'm really young, yeah, but sure. anyway, I try <laughs> <laughs> just try to remind people of that constantly. Um, <laughs> my mum always said, make friends older than you. And, you know, I live by that. Yeah. Um, and I love that for me. Thank you so much yeah. for the token friendship. Just so you can remind them that you're a young spring yeah. chicken and they're all just like getting older. <laughs> I mean, look, my partner is six weeks younger than me and we're, oh, in, we're in different years. What a so cougar you are. I know, I know. I was 87 and he's 88 and I always say to him, I'm like, doll, things were different in my time. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, when you get through what I've been through, he's like, oh my God. You're like, you wouldn't know up. this song. This was my time. Yeah, this was <laughs> like, it was different in 87. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to start doing that to you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, honestly, there are things that happen. I'm like, guys, I don't know this song because I was literally in primary school. (laughs) (laughs) I hate you. Let's move on. (laughs) Anyway, so I'm young. So um, I can't even remember what we were talking about now. Emulating, you know, we're always trying to, like, on that road of self-discovery, we're looking so far outside of ourselves, like, oh, well, I like that, so I'll try and copy that. And not, you know, exactly copy that, but you're trying to, you're inspired by people that you want to be, and then you actually try and emulate who they are and what they're doing. Yeah. You know, for me, it's always been like, and you and it's it's so restricting because then you're putting yourself into a box and like, oh, but I actually like this. No, but that's outside of the realms of what I'm trying to achieve. Or, you know, I can't be, you can't be a comedian and, um, you know, human uh, rights activist. So you can't be like a an author and a podcaster and a this and a that. And like, I don't know, you know, you can't mm. really like tick every single box because you were just we're learning off the people that we've been, you know, that have come before us and it hasn't been done before. And it's very scary being someone that hasn't been here before kind of thing. It is. And, and I feel like now though, we're blurring those lines. Yes. Like, I love we were, it. We were joking before about how everyone's got a podcast. And yeah. It's like, it's the new PT. Like everyone's <laughs> got a personal training and I don't want to diminish anybody who is a PT because, you know, kudos to you. We need you as well. We d- I need you to keep my I personally my probably need <laughs> you. Definitely going to need your services <laughs> soon. Um, but it's, it's just that thing because it's that evolution of, okay, yeah. well, 
blogging used to be a thing and it's still a thing but it's just that transition and it's a really weird space to navigate because no one really knows like what are the signs of success and what are the benchmarks like we're paving the way and creating those and so I think yeah we need to be more brave and the thing is like it's so interesting I was we were talking yesterday about how my grandfather has no fucking clue what I do for (laughs) a living (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're the black sheep yeah I'm just Absolutely. such I'm like so wawa because I call him wawa Horrible. love that <laughs> love that <laughs> when I was like every and you know I've had a podcast for a couple of years now and like doing all the other stuff that I do and he always just has this real blank look on his face of like I just need to act like I'm listening <laughs> and like and she'll stop talking eventually. And then I can ask her what Chris is doing, which is my partner who's a builder. So that just makes so much more sense to him. He's like, great. Thank fuck. Like, so, not that he would ever swear because, you know, good Presbyterian man. But Naturally, yeah. Maybe in his head. Um, yeah, he just has, he, he can't grasp my career because it's not something that has existed mm. before. And, you know, like even our our kids will have jobs that we'll, we'll never even imagine. Like we're creating so many careers and I especially think mums are too because we're, we are at a point where we're like, well, I only have a certain amount of hours that I can work with, but mm. most of us either need to be able to work or we fucking want to. And how can I create a career that works around my children and around me and around my family and also allows me to be able to like be at home and do all the other millions and different things because we can fucking do it all. Um, and so, you know, and with technology and everything else, it's just opened us up to this like amazing world of like endless possibilities of what we can do. Absolutely. And we resonate so much with each other. I think that's what yeah. we underestimate. Like, we're all just trying to be the best mums and the best wives and the best partners and the best friends and family and all that kind of shit. Like we've got so many boxes to tick that we need to find a way to manage it all. And I think that's why mums do inspire each other because even the smallest of things like a cleaning routine, which that is absolutely not my specialty. Oh, God, me neither. Not not in that space, (laughs) so don't come to me for any advice. (laughs) But it's something like that where you go, oh, actually, shit, that would work well for me. Yeah. So we, I feel like we severely undervalue the influence that we can have. Yes, that's huge. That's Mm. so true. And like, Yeah, so... Speaking of all of this, because we were chatting about this a bit yesterday, I was asking you why you started your podcast and how it all came about. And it's kind of like in this realm, you were saying you just needed something for you and like something you're wanting to work, um, get you out of your, fuck, I've forgotten the word, corporate life. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> what is yeah. that word? Well, it's I mean, really firstly, simple. Firstly, I wanted to be as cool as you. That was my main motivator. <laughs> <laughs> it's just stressed Don't out. we all? No. <laughs> Yeah, no, Me so cool with my buttons on. Yeah. My belly out. <laughs> and shoes off. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, look, it's one of those things, right? Like I, I've i been, I kind of fell into corporate banking. Yeah. And <laughs> what, you, is, which, what a fun thing to fall into. <laughs> I know, right? Like everybody aspires to go yes. to that. And I don't talk about the details of what I actually do because I'm currently on maternity leave. It's still my job. Yeah. Um, but I'm in finance and I've been in finance for, you know, 13, 13 years, something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things that um, I always wanted to be creative. 
always. When I was younger, I used to make radio tapes like, oh. of myself. I'd be all of the announcers. I know. What a weirdo. Um, <laughs> and now look at you. You're in a radio studio. <laughs> 100%. Um, but I was always creative. And it was one of those things at the time where my parents were like, well, that's not, you're not going to make money off that. Yeah. And yeah. I think that was, you know, a probably valid mentality 15 years ago, right? Yeah. Um, so I fell into banking and I just kept sort of climbing the corporate ladder. And then as you get older, you get responsibilities and you get mortgages and then you have children and you kind of get tied to that commitment because you have to provide. Yeah. yeah. So it's always, um, it's one of those things I say that you can be good at something, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you enjoy it or that it's fulfilling for you. Yeah. So, so true. Yeah. Yeah, I guess for me, it got to the point where I was really craving that need to be more creative or to to do something for myself. Um, so I started an Instagram page and I'd always had like a private account, but then I was like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, I like to write. I like to speak about things. So I started writing and it resonated with people because I think one of the huge things as not only women, but people, we we resonate with storytelling. Like yes, it's yeah. really powerful and there's so much strength in vulnerability. Yes. And when you're going through something, mm-hmm. you don't always want someone to fix it, but you just want to know that you're not alone. Yes. Like, so much healing in sharing, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, I started to talk about things that were, you know, relevant to me at the time. Um, I was a single parent for, you know, three and a half years. And then Mm. I met my partner and we were struggling to fall pregnant. And it was just those topics that people went, well, shit. And this is like, why are we not talking about this more? Mm -hmm. So then my podcast, I guess, became an extension of that because I'm not an expert. I'm definitely not an expert on anything um, when it comes to those topics. But also, you know, I've never had a miscarriage. I've never lost a child. I've you know, I'm not a life coach and I think all of those kind of things are really valuable. So I was like, well, why not? Like, let's just create a platform where we can talk about the stuff that no one wants to talk about. Yes. Yeah. Because we need to. Fuck yeah. Well, that's the thing. There's so much shame around so many things, especially when it comes to being a woman, you know, we've been shamed for fucking hundreds and hundreds of years and what the only way to break that shame is to actually start fucking talking about it and and making it normal you know I was even reading there was a big thing yesterday about some woman who um was breastfeeding her toddler on the floor of Target because you know they were just losing their shit or whatever and the internet went wild calling her a pedophile and I yeah I know and then so and, like, I love – I'm addicted to reading the comment sections of shit that is, like, controversial. Yeah. Because I just like, love – grab the popcorn. <laughs> I know. Sit down. I'm like, let's see how fucking – how huge of an asshole of people that, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I just try and find the biggest wanker in there. And I'm like, oh, my God, I, I love this. Congratulations, Terry. You're an absolute twat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, you are the worst. <laughs> Um, and so I had my popcorn out and I was like, just reading all of these comments and like in my head, I thought we'd evolved from that shit. I thought that you could Mm. like, you know, breastfeed in public without some, you know, fucking Susan coming over and telling you that you're, you know, offending her with your nipple or whatever (sighs) it is. 
Um, but God, I can't even remember why I went on that tangent. Um, <laughs> but well, case in point, right? Like we don't talk, we're still awkward about oh, stuff. Yeah. So we're like there's so, so, much, so much shame around that. Can't even fucking feed your kid in public yeah. without it becoming a fucking spectacle, yeah. you know? But meanwhile, like I've watched that. Have you watched that episode of the Goop Lab? No, I haven't watched any of it yet, but I need to. It is great. Episode three, The Goop Lab on Netflix. Very controversial kind of um, show, which I love because I love that shit. Um, But the third episode is about this woman, Betty Betty Dodson from the state. She's like fucking 90 and she's like, she she looks like um, Betty White. But if Betty White had a baby with like a bikey <laughs> and that, and there's this like just hard fucking Betty White type woman who was like said something about um doing the fuck or I don't know, just like doing the fuck. It was and she was like, you know, women don't even haven't even fucking seen what their vulvas look like. And I'm like, what? But also I was like. I haven't. There was that one time when I was like, you know, 30, 100 weeks pregnant and I was like Googling how to find my own cervix just so I could open it up. And I like threw a leg up on the fucking like um, vanity and trying to have a look. And I was like, where the fuck? I've never seen this thing before. And it did not look like a normal vagina at that oh, point. I'm 894 days pregnant right now. <laughs> yeah, so you know, I, I don't want to go down there. No. No. Doesn't look like the pictures that they showed in the goop lab. <laughs> well, it's like I was saying yesterday, I'm literally scared he's going to poke a hand out and be like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, he was so waving low. at me. So low. <laughs> yeah, you're carrying him in your knees at yeah. this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, super cute. But this, and like, she literally was talking about like masturbation and um, a lady masturbated on fucking camera. And I know it was so wild. And then they showed a bunch of photos of vulvas, which I did not even know this. This just goes to show how little we know. I know on a guy they've got scrotum, balls, think it's the same thing, <laughs> shaft, penis, head of the willy, all that kind of stuff, you know. Yep. I feel like I know more about a penis than I know about a vagina. Yep. And, yeah, and she's going, it's not a vagina. Your vagina is not the whole thing. It's a vulva. And I was like, fuck, I don't know what I thought the vulva was, but I didn't think it was the entire fucking thing. I didn't know that either. There you go. You've got the whole thing as the vulva. Go home and explore that. I'm absolutely not. (laughs) That's terrifying. Get your mirror. (laughs) Maybe not you right now because you'll never want to go near it again. Maybe me in a few months (laughs) when I'm in a better vulva headspace. Yeah, when you're not like scared, you're just going to see the top of a head or something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's not like, you know, at the moment it's like halfway down your legs. You don't yeah. want to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to encourage anything. But I couldn't believe it. They were like showed photos of a bunch of different vaginas. And at first I was like, oh, shocking. But mind you, if that was a bunch of willies, I would have been like, yeah, whatever. You know, yeah. you've seen like how many dick pics have we been fucking sent oh. nowadays? And can, can we just talk about that for a minute? Because <laughs> I'm sorry. Dicks are not attractive. No. In the sense that, you know, obviously they're they're a great time. Kudos to all you guys for your (laughs) dicks. Thank you. But sending pictures of them, who on earth came up with that initiative? Like, you know what? Here's my dick. 
enjoy. And the thing is, like, women aren't really visual people. Like, I feel like to get us going, it's not a visual thing. Like, if we see a picture of a penis, we're not going to be like, I'll be right back. (laughs) Get here immediately. I was always like, what do you want me to do? Fucking print it out and shove it up myself? Like... (laughs) I just saw like a mural. Actually, yeah, like that's actually the idea. <laughs> yeah. But also, yeah, like it, for a guy, it's visually appealing because they're like, yes, I mentally know that this is going to go somewhere. For a girl, they're like, um, thanks so much for your application. <laughs> yes. Really appreciate your interest. We'll get back to you in five to seven business days. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. what? Just add it to my wall, put it against my like giant ruler on the yep. side. <laughs> actually, this is going to fit in really nice with my decor. You can pop on over. <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. Yeah. Thanks for coming. I can schedule you in tomorrow at six. <laughs> it's so fucked, but we're like, literally, we'll see a penis and not blink an eye. But as women who have vaginas, yep. if we see a vagina, I can't, like, when those vaginas, ca- sorry, vulvas, sorry, Betty Dodson, mm. don't get at me. Those vulvas came up. I was like, whoa, triggered. I was like, it was so shocking because we are so we're so desensitized to penises, but seeing a vagina in front of our face is like terrifying. Mm. But it's so crazy because I was like, ah, oh, all these different vaginas because we've all got very different looking, sorry, vulvas. Um, and it just made me realize in that episode alone how um, how oppressed women are. Like, mm. you know, the more you think about it, the more you recognize it. Like we are so, we're so blind to it. We've been like, you know, generations before us, they had no idea. They just thought that they were just doing their part, doing their thing. You know, they're like, oh my God, but we can show our ankles now and we can vote now, you know, things like that. They're like, hurrah, you know, yay for women. <laughs> and now we're like cementing pictures of vulvas around the place. Yeah, I know. Isn't what it a, great? What progression. And I we're like, that. oh my God, I can't believe this whole time. I've just like, we've been faking orgasms for years and we didn't even need to be. <laughs> It's funny you say that though, no, not the August part. Um, but my daughter is seven and she feels uncomfortable saying vagina. Oh, and really? they they say, you know, you should start using it early. And I yep. I say vagina to her, but it's almost like it's ingrained in us to be a little bit awkward about it. Yes. And potentially it is because she's at that age where she's got, you know, a clear understanding of things as opposed to when they're younger and they just don't put a lot of thought into it. But no. yeah, it's that oppression definitely flows down and it's, I think it's something we need to be conscious of. Oh yeah. Big time. Mm. Um, yeah. I love how this has turned into like quite a feminist. Oh, sort of. <laughs> <Vaginas>. <laughs> I was <Bulbas>. like, <laughs> sorry, let's talk so, about your single mum life. Yeah. Blah, and we're just like women, women, women. Speaking of single mum life. I'm like, speaking of single mum life, masturbation. So, So, no, you were were a single mum. You're not anymore. No. But, um, and I was raised by a single mum. So I'm like, yes for single, yes, yes. Yes, queen. (laughs) Yes, queen for single mums. (laughs) I don't know how they fucking do it. It's so funny. Like when I was a kid and my mum raised like four under, she had four under four on her own. Oh my God. Fucked. I'm like. It's called condom, mum. Yeah. <laughs> um, same dad. But we, like, I look back and I'm like, after having kids, like, I appreciated her at the time and I knew that, what like, her job was insane at the time. But since having kids, I'm genuinely like, how did you actually fucking do it? Like, how did you do it? How did you not go crazy so many more times? You know, you look back on times where your mum lost, lost her shit and yeah. as a kid you were like, 
oh, mum, like, you know, just Shut losing up, her shit again. Yeah. Like, mum's a psycho. But then you become a mum and you're like, oh, I get that. Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. And how did you contain that so <laughs> yes. much? How did you not end up in a mental institution? <laughs> it is. It's literally the hardest job in the world. Like, you cannot prepare yourself for what it's going to be like. You can read all the books and you can have this perception of what you think it's going to be like, but every child is so different that you just can't prepare. And I am very blessed that I'm no longer a single mum. I have the most amazing partner. He's adorable. Um, Love him. (laughs) You're like, shout out to him. You probably won't be listening. Yeah. (laughs) Shout out, Dan. (laughs) You're the real MVP. Um, But like, it's hard. It is so hard. And I left Peyton's dad when she was eight months. Um, So like, so young, like she would have been so young. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things that's, it is such a hard decision. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things we don't give single parents enough credit for. Yes. Because, yes. shit, you don't – we were married, so it was never in my inverted commas plan yep. to be a single parent. You know, we went in – she was she was a planned child. You know, we mm. planned to start a family. I think I always knew – that it wasn't right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that decision-making process was quite a long one. Um, but it got to the point where I was like, actually, this is, you know, there's a lot that you can put up with as a person. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as a child's involved, you kind of, those expectations are higher and what you're willing to accept, you know, you wouldn't necessarily accept for them. So it's it's a hard decision. And, man, it's, it is so tough. Being yeah. a single parent is so friggin' hard. And just because someone makes it look easy or looks like they're coping doesn't mean that they aren't losing their shit. Oh, my God. I lose my shit even with good help. Totally. So, totally. like, I can't even imagine. Like, you know, Chris goes away for two nights and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> How do people do this? Get back here immediately. Stop <laughs> sending me dick pics. I need you here. <laughs> I'm not going to print them out. It doesn't help me. <laughs> it doesn't. But it's it's funny what you what you can put up with, like what yeah. like how resilient you can be when you don't have a choice. And I went back to work full time when she was eight months, and I've always had a very intense career, so it was long hours, exhausting days and then I'd come home and have to start my second job as a mum and she's with her dad every second weekend so I I am lucky that you know I know there's a lot of parents who do it on their own like a hundred percent and I just yeah if you know somebody who's doing that fucking you need to give them the biggest high five and take them food (laughs) and like offer to take their children because (laughs) they're probably like going crazy inside but you just make it work because it's you have to It'd be so relentless because you can't just go, I need a break. Because, like, you know, I have to (laughs) – the other week I literally just, like, drove into the driveway with my whole family. The kids were screaming and I just closed the door and started walking down the street and said, Chris, I can't deal. And just started walking and was like, not my problem. (laughs) Um, I'm tapping out of this for now. Thanks. I was like, I'm just going to go find a bush to cry in. Yep. Um, I don't know when I'll be back and I'm not taking my phone. So it's all a you problem right now. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> but as, as a single mum, you can't just fucking like no. close the door and be like, be back in, you know, 20 minutes. Yeah. Catch up. You, you have to sort of like you learn to hold on to your breakdowns 
and mm. you oh, you try as much as you can to keep your shit together until they go to bed and then you, you know, you cry relentlessly in the shower because you're like, how am I even doing this? But you do and then you get up in the next day and you do it all over again. But I think it is something that we just don't give single parents enough credit for and it's amazing now having Dan that he's so helpful and he's so mm. thoughtful and it is having that second person to be like, I actually can't deal with this situation right now. Can you sort this out? Or even that second perspective yeah, to come yeah. in. It's it's made me a much calmer mother, but it, it makes me reflect on those times and go, how the hell did I actually get through that? But you do. You just, you have to, because it's not about you. It's about your child. And I think that's like a perfect summary of a mother, right? We just, yeah. we always put them first. I love what you said um, about how amazing, like that, you know, the decision to leave your partner for whatever reason, whether it's like, because and it, it's for you and it's for that kid a lot of the time. Yeah. If it doesn't feel right. And like, I know this is, that, that that stigma is starting to change, you know, back in the day, you couldn't just fucking leave no. people. You just had to stay in that situation. But people are starting to recognize that it's better, not only for yourself, but even for the kids, because you don't want to show them what a relationship isn't supposed no. to look like, because that just creates another generation of people unaware of what a relation, a good relationship looks like. Yeah. You know, I think it's so, I think it's so brave seeing women say no. And I know a lot of the time, like, it's not that easy to just leave a relationship, mm. you know, like there's lots of circumstances, but as you said, like with a child involved, like I know a lot of women who have been in a similar situation and it's interesting, like once that kid's there, all of a sudden it's just like for them, you can't put up with that shit anymore. No. You, as you said, like as a person, you can put up with it, but as a mother, there's no way. Yeah. Because you do, you raise those expectations and, you know, I, there's also a lot of circumstances where people don't make the choice to be a single parent, right? Yeah, you know, totally. Their partner might pass away or, or they might leave and be in that situation where they're then forced with that. But if it is a decision made for you, I, I hate it when people say, well, you know, should you have not tried harder for the kids? Oh. Because I guarantee you, like, you've been fucking trying hard for yeah months and months and months and now you're at this point where you're like okay I need to make a change and I think it, the same thing goes when you do actually leave you have to acknowledge that you've made a conscious decision to leave that relationship or perhaps you haven't but that relationship is now over mm. the relationship that you have now is one of a co-parent that doesn't revolve yeah. around you or your issues or your past things and it's it's hard. It is so hard. And even seven years on, like, you know, we're, we're amicable. Um, but there's still difficulties, you know, you evolve as a person, the child evolves. So does your partner. There's, you know, blended families involved, but it's not about you guys anymore. It's about how you're going to manage to make it work for that child. Let's touch on that, actually, because that's really, I mean, my sister-in-law is going through a similar thing at the moment, but I mean, between you and I and the whole of everyone listening, yeah. <laughs> the whole he's audience. a see you next Tuesday. Um, he sounds great. <laughs> yeah, he's the worst, but um, it is so, it's hard, like for her, she's struggling to create that great co-parenting relationship because he's, you know, Satan. 
Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> which makes it difficult. Uh, but yeah. I applaud couples so much who can recognise that, like, okay, we didn't work out as a couple, but we are still parent. Like, you know, you're still parents. How? What are your tips or tricks to trying to navigate that whole co-parenting situation? Oh, God, I wish there was a handbook. Um, <laughs> yeah, <I really laughs> so my sister-in-law said. It would, would be stunning. Um, look, I, I think it, and it does depend on your individual, individual situation, of yeah. course. Um, I think the first thing is to give it time. Honestly, time mm. is a huge factor. Yeah. Um, and particularly when you're separating, there's a, there's a reason for it. So there's probably some form of emotion attached. Totally. Um, for me... And, and I don't talk about our situation. I don't think I need to out of respect for both my child and her father. Yeah, um, absolutely. But there's, for me, there was resentment. There was a lot of resentment and a lot of anger for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think you need to deal with that on your own. And particularly if you are on that side of the fence where you feel like perhaps you deserved an apology. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen that that meme that pops around that says, learn to accept the apology you never got. And you might get it down the track, but you need to move forward and go, okay, well, this was the situation. This is where I'm at. How am I going to move forward? Because you cannot control the other person. Yes. Oh, that's so true. And it's the same for, you know, parenting agreements. You know, sometimes you'll have, and, and I'm very lucky that Peyton sees her dad every fortnight. But sometimes, you know, people might not follow through on their parenting agreements and they might let the child down and Mm. you need to just control what you can control and that's the way that you react to the situation. Did you guys keep it all sort of between yourselves or did you have to get parenting plans in place or anything? No, we kept it between ourselves. That's awesome. I have found worked really well Yeah. um, because I think it – and again – situation some people just aren't at the point where they can come to an agreement so you have to have mediation or there's other factors involved but for us it's been it's it's been an easy transition in that sense and then it gives I guess the the room to grow together in your co-parenting relationship because then you can open the conversation to be like all right well I can't do this weekend. Can we swap or mm. can you take her an extra night or, or whatever the case is? Um, so I think, yeah, the main tips is is to control your own emotions and also I guess just be conscious that it will evolve. It's such an evolution. Mm. Again, when partners get involved, um, when things change, when the child gets older, you know, we're going through obviously I'm pregnant. And Peyton's been great, but it's that can shake people up as well. So yeah. you just have to be fluid, I suppose, in the way that you deal with it. And don't react too quickly because I know sometimes I'll get a text message and be like, what, the actual? <laughs> but, but again, it's about the take. Deep breath. <laughs> um, but sometimes you just have to take a step back and take the emotion out of it and go, mm. well, actually that probably reads just as it, it's meant to read, not how I'm taking it. You know what I mean? Because Yeah, so true. Yeah, you have to let go of that unfinished business. Love that. Let go of the unfinished business because mm. there would be a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. I could just, yeah. I mean, there's a reason why you're not with them anymore. Exactly. But then you've got to accept that 
ideally they're going to be around forever. And my, uh, my biggest advice is never, ever, ever, ever say anything about the other parent in front of your child. Oh yeah. Because it's not fair. That's your burdens, not a child's. Mm -hmm. And for Peyton, I want her to think her dad's the greatest thing in the world if he chooses to make actions that counteract that and not that I'm saying that he does or he will, but if he does, that's on him. It's got nothing to do with me and it's got my relationship with him has nothing to do with their relationship. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's amazing advice. How has, how has um, it been for Peyton? Like, I mean, although I guess seeing as it's you left him when she was eight months old, she probably knows nothing else. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, she, I guess she hasn't known anything different and that was part of the reason why I wanted to leave at that Mm, point. Yeah. Um, because I didn't want to sort of, I guess, damage her and then walk away. Yeah. Um, like you knew it was either then or later kind of thing. And and I think it would have, it was one of those things where I was like, well, in a year's time, am I still going to be in the same place Mm. or, you know, should I just get on with things now? And she's incredibly resilient. Like she's such a good little egg. I mean, I think I'll keep her. (laughs) (laughs) She's she's nice. I think you have to legally. (laughs) I I said to her the other day, I was like, I don't know. I wonder what I could sell you for, you know, just because she was talking about how much she wants to buy all this stuff from the American (laughs) girl range. And I was like, well, you know, we've got. Something's got to give. Something's got to give. Now we've got your brother coming. You're all becoming too expensive. I I don't know. (laughs) I wonder how how interesting because she's been a single child for like an only child for seven years. Yeah. I wonder how, because um, she'd just be used to, because when you've got an only child, I mean, I look at even my kids compared to my, well, myself, because I was one of four. So, you know, my, and I had a single mum, my mum couldn't just buy us all shit because if she did one, like did for one, you have to do yes. for all of them. Yep. And my, um, my sister-in-law has triplets and then another kid. So they've got four kids and their life, like compared to my kids who can get away with like having pretty much no routine, you know, I can buy Maddie a baby Chino three times a day and. <laughs> Which she's very interested in. <laughs> <from yesterday. laughs> yeah. Maddie just thinks she's like, I don't know what kind of life she thinks she has. Kardashian but style. <laughs> she's like, mommy, I want a smoothie now. <laughs> And I'm like, who the fuck do you think you are? I need to get some protein before yoga. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, mate, you've been born into the wrong family. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but like in comparison to, you know, like going out and buying four baby chinos three times a day for, yeah. you know, four kids, like it's just such a different, different world. And like, you know, even Maddie adjusting to having a brother like and she was only a ch- an only child for like two and a half years or whatever it was literally whatever it was who knows um and it was still an adjustment for her having to like share her family share her parents yep. share her <laughs> shit like three-year-olds don't like to share their shit no no one likes to share their shit none of us do no absolutely Let's be real we do it because we have to because it's for life but we don't like to yeah it's it's funny it's one of those things like again there's no handbook and I no think it'll be such an evolution for us when he does come along but um I'm really huge on communicating. Yeah, yeah. So we've spoken to her pretty much from the outset about, you know, things are going to change and even 
you know, the fact that her brother's going to need a lot of attention and a lot of care and, you know, I'm not going to have the ability to dedicate as much to her and it's not because I don't want to or I don't love her. It's just because that's what he needs at that point in time. And, And I think the good thing for us is that she is at the age where she can communicate back. Yeah. So yeah. We, we've sort of opened up the dialogue for both me and Dan for her to come to us and say, hey, I want to spend some time with you mm. or I want to do this. And and we've, you know, as a family kind of said, all right, well, we need to come up with a few activities that we're going to do special time just with her. Yeah. So, yeah, shit, that could all fall apart. Who knows? But <laughs> that's, but it that's is, the intention. I guess the good thing about, like, I always, you know, love the idea of having another child once my kids are older because they are able to be more helpful and they do understand, like, you, as you yeah. said, you can open up those communication lines and really, like, she understands and you understand each other. And I think that would be so wonderful. Imagine being a seven-year-old. Like, it's so exciting, like, Mm. getting a new baby brother or sister when you're that age. Oh, she would. I mean, it took her some time to really accept the fact that it was a boy. Oh, really? (laughs) If We did a gender reveal and we did a slow-mo for when we popped the balloon and her (laughs) face was just... The most hilarious thing in the world. She was absolutely devastated. Oh my god, I have to rewatch. But that. now, now she's at the point where she's like, "No, this is cool," because she realizes, okay, well, you know, he's not going to be borrowing my makeup. I mean, maybe he will. Who knows? But <laughs> yeah. she's yeah, she's know. kind of yeah, she's okay with it. I think just opening that communication is going to be huge for us. But she's so resilient, and yes. I think we overcomplicate things when it comes to children because unlike us. They just take things at face value. You yes, know, in her so head, true. she's like, "I'm getting a new brother." Whereas yeah. us, we're like, "I'm not going to have enough time for you," and yes. she's oh going to be emotionally damaged and yeah. all this kind of stuff. Whereas they're just like, "Okay, cool. Like it is what it is." That is actually such an excellent point. They are so resilient. Even like, I think like us as adults now, we think back to the things in our childhood that have caused us trauma and all this kind of stuff. And we, as you said, we overthink everything. We think that we're like ruined or destroyed or whatever it is because, you know, mum left us as a shopping centre when we were 12 years old or like our parents split up and like whatever it is. But it really hasn't fucked us up. You know, like we are fine. We it is all part of our story. Like they, I yeah. feel like children come in. They choose you as parents. They choose that life for whatever they need to learn, whatever lessons they need to learn in that lifetime, whatever it is. Peyton's not probably sitting there thinking that her life's all fucked up and all this kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> I mean, I I definitely have those moments where I'm like, oh, that's that's going to end up on the therapist's couch (laughs) down the track because I wouldn't buy her an American doll. Like, just she's She's like, like my mum doesn't love me. (laughs) I feel abandoned and I feel unloved. Got a new brother coming and I still don't get the doll, you know. It's only just happening now. It's the brother, you know. She's low-key looking at my belly like, I hate you. (laughs) You're ruining (laughs) my life. (laughs) Leave. (laughs) But it's so funny. We do over, we overcomplicate things yeah. so much and we don't have enough faith in our kids. And like, you know, we, yes. I think where there's so much information out there now that we're just like, we just get a fucking load to the face of 
articles that our mum sends us about, you know, how to parent gently, but not too gently, not to smack, but don't, you know, let your kids get away with this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Like, you know, make sure that if they cry, you're right there and make sure, but at the same time, don't, you know, smother them, spoil them with love and like, Everything you do is probably going to fuck your child up in 100%. some way, according yeah. to the internet. Yeah. Like, according to the internet, my kids are fucking ruined. Yeah. You're ruining well them as we speak. Start over. They're not even here the and no. you're damaging them. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> it's so crazy. Because I'm you're like, not there, right? I'm not, like, not here right just now. Just be better. Just be better. <laughs> but then also don't coddle them. So, <laughs> But don't be too good. Yeah. So do less. Do more. Don't like, co-sleep, do but always be there for, like, oh, yeah. my God, there's... Yeah. And you can make yourself crazy mm-hmm. overthinking it. Imagine our kids, like, if they really, like, they're probably just like, mum, just stop being a crazy person. Yeah. Just, like, chill out. Just fucking enjoy me. Like, go. Go and have, like, a few drinks with the girls. I don't actually care. Yep. Like, I mean, we think, you know, we say that, but, you know, the one-year-old is, like, sitting there screaming because you've left them. But it is, like, we're not ruining them. That whole thing, we, no. we only have to be... A good parent for thirty percent of the time. Yes, I've. I mean, I've heard that from you. I've heard that from a few other people. Yeah. And up until like maybe two months ago, I'd never heard that. Yes. And same. why the hell are we not talking about that more? <laughs> because here we are stressing over every little minute, every little part thing. of our parenting. Oh god, thirty percent is nothing. That's like a. That is like when you eat McDonald's on a. Friggin' Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and the rest of the week you're healthy. Maybe not those ratios, but <laughs> do you know I'm what like, I mean? My maths like, is not great, but it <laughs> <laughs> sounds right. <laughs> I'm not here for calculating, right? Yeah. Um, but seriously, like, why don't we promote that more? Because we're torturing ourselves for something that's, yeah, not really going to have that much of an impact. I think we're so obsessed with problem solving. Yeah. Because there's so many, you know, like there's more cancers these days. There's more allergies these days. There's more, you know, people with issues these days. There's anxiety. There's this. And we're like, okay, trying to figure out what it is. What causes that? Mm. What causes this? What have I done wrong? What have my parents done wrong? And so we're trying to problem solve and pretty much just make sure we tick every single box of like, okay, make sure my kids had every single allergen food possible before there's three seconds (laughs) old. Tick. Make sure, you know, that like I don't over love them. Tick. You know, (laughs) don't want them to have like attachment issues. Tick. Like, you know, whatever it is, we're trying to tick every single box and we're sitting there with a fucking eye twitch like every single second of our life and we're shaking. We're like, I don't understand why I've got such high anxiety. (laughs) And it is so, you know, everybody talks and I think it's great that we're talking a lot more about anxiety and whatnot now. Yeah. I think it's like it literally, when you give birth, when you have a child at the hospital, they're like, congratulations, here's your baby and here's a heap of anxiety. Like, this is your life <laughs> yeah. now. It, because you do. Yeah, <gasps> and even the most chilled out people, you know, sometimes I'm sure they can get past it. But it's just that anxiousness because you care so much. And that's yes. where it comes from. Yeah. But it's just all the other BS around it of oh. everybody wants you to be everything and like, Rack off, Susan. Oh, my Just God. Just jets. And they all, like, they know how to be a perfect parent mm. and, like, whatever you're doing, it's the wrong way. So. And, like, there's so much judgment around being yeah. a mum. And I think, fuck, we've spoken about that heaps, but... It's, it is like you cannot hide away from just the <laughs> judgy mums. And because I think a lot of the times 
we all are judgy mums. Oh, totally. We all do it. And, and we all do it subconsciously as well. Yes. We oh don't my gosh. mean to be a judgy mum, but yeah. we react to something because we go, oh, you know, I don't know. Ooh, would I do that? Would we be doing that, Sheila? Like, yes. Great for it. Well, cool. Like, Sheila wants to do it. Go for it, girlfriend. I know. And because, you know, a lot of us, I, lo- I love when people get like perfect first kids. And like at (laughs) some point you're always humbled, I think. And if you're not, you're probably a cunt because you have to be humble because otherwise you're the worst. You're just like a classic hypothetical mum who's like, my kid would never, I'd never, I'd never. Like Maddie sucked at sleeping. She was a, she was like basically allergic to sleep. She like slept like, (laughs) you know, some fucking dude has been at Stereosonic, like eating pills for like three days. (laughs) She's like, I don't even know what sleep is. I don't need sleep. I'm just here to rage. I love that comparison, by the way. Like, that's definitely going to damage her later on. Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. My kids are so fucked up. But, um, like, she sucked at sleeping. And she was just such a, like, she just humbled me. Yeah. Because she was a shitty sleeper. And there was just so many things. And you know how people are like, you haven't tried this. You haven't tried that. And I would be like, mate, I have, like, trawled the entire fucking World Wide Web I guaranteed I've tried everything. Mm-hmm. I've tried everything except for drugging her. <laughs> and I'm very close to giving it a crack. We're, we're, we're on the borderline. <laughs> yeah, we are like, I'm like borderline about to, you know, put a fucking like towel of chloroform over, <laughs> chloroform over her face. So, yeah, I've tried everything. <laughs> but I think too, like, I and I, I've definitely been humbled by this pregnancy from what we've gone through. But yeah, I Peyton Peyton was a great child. In yeah, the, well, she is. She is. No, like, I'm talking <laughs> about like, her, like she's, she's not She's gone feral. <laughs> she's fell. No, she she was great. Like we, I was able to get her into a sleep routine, and she's she's never tantrumed. Like I was always able to communicate with her. She's one child. And I think we need to be conscious of when we give advice because you don't want to sound like that person who's like, but have you done this? Yeah. You can turn around and give advice but say, hey, look, this actually worked really well for me. Yeah. Every kid is different. And, you know, I can do the exact same things with this guy and he might be like, mate, not happening. So, <laughs> like, yeah, we just no, need I'm to. I'm going to be a raver at night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he might be at stereo. You know, his, <laughs> if, if his kicks are anything to go by, he will definitely be that guy. But, yeah, we just need to yeah, just cool, it, cool our jets. No yep. one's an expert. We're all just fucking fumbling our way through and some are luckier than others. My um my sister in law actually, she so the one that had she's she had triplets. She fell pregnant with triplets when she had, I think it was four months old. Terrifying. 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 So insane. Like, you you can't make this shit up. And they're all boys, and they're cute as fuck. But her life is such hard work. Every single time I see her, I pretty much just bow down to her. I'm like, and just like hold her. Yeah. And for a good like I'm three like, minutes. How are you? How do you do this? It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Um, but she, and she's the first person to say like she used to be so judgmental and she used to just like compare and be like, it's not that hard to, you know, get your kid into a sleep routine. It's not that hard to do this. It's not that hard to do that. Like you're the reason that your kid is like this, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And, and I mean, like one kid is humbling, four kids is humbling as fuck, three at a time is humbling as all fuck. It's like a knock to the face. Yeah, that's <laughs> like the universe is like, we're going to humble you good. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to beat your ass into the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and she said, she's like, I now just cannot judge. She's like, I'm, yeah. 
got four kids or from the exact same parents who their routine is exactly the same because when you've got 700 kids, there's no fucking way that you can't like treat every kid the same and have a routine. Those kids, they know exactly what's up at exactly the time of day that it's (laughs) up, you know? And she's like, but they are all so different. Some of them suck at sleeping. Some of them amazing at sleeping. One of them's fucking aggressive. The other one just like sits and wants to play by himself. The other one needs attention all the time, you know, like their personalities are so completely different. And that is just like the perfect perfect example that like really parenting is like 10% of a person of a person yeah the rest of it it's fucking them so why do we even try so hard I know (laughs) well because we do we put all that pressure on ourselves to be like no but this is supposed to be a reflection of me yes and don't get me wrong if you're like swearing your head off at your kid and all that kind of stuff. They're going to pick up on your habits, of course. Yeah. But and you just tell them not that's a mummy word. Yeah, this just is from a, experience. <laughs> <laughs> that is a really bad word. Yeah. Only but, mummy says fucked up. <laughs> like it's it's the judgment from ourselves that we need yes. to calm down on. And we all do it. Like it's it's inevitable, but yeah. we just need to cut ourselves a break every now and then. Yeah, big time. Um you touched on this pregnancy has been, it's very, it's been fucked, really. Yes. I mean, I know. That is the perfect description for it. So fucked. And like the the details you haven't shared, which I completely understand why, because you, as we said, you're going to get every Karen and Susan trying to problem solve or compare their yep. stories or give you advice or whatever. And this is like, it's a hard enough of a journey for you to deal with without having to bring Susan in as well. Yeah. On your journey with you. Yeah. I mean, she's definitely popped in a few times <laughs> yeah, at Woolworths. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and, it, and look, it is one of those things. I, I'm a huge, I'm a huge believer in, like I said, the power of storytelling. And I think there's massive strength in vulnerability. Yeah. And, you know, I'm quite open with a lot of things, but for us, um, you know, what we've been through really has knocked me for six. Mm. And I'm pretty good at processing my emotions and self-reflection and all that kind of stuff. But we've just been on such a roller coaster that I haven't had the ability to manage my own feelings and the rest of the internet. And we will talk about it after the fact. I'm a huge believer in speaking about things when you can add value because I can jump on my stories and you know, cry every day, but yeah, it just shows you that I'm having raw emotion, but it doesn't really teach you anything or it doesn't really help anybody else who's in the same situations. Mm. I can put up a post and say, yeah, Hey, I do cry every day, but I'm learning to sit with those emotions and I'm finding ways to find happiness. And I feel like Mm. that's more beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm a huge believer in things happening to sort of show you something and God, I would not wish this upon anybody. I thought you were going to bring God into that. Oh God, no. Sorry. (laughs) I said God again. (laughs) But um, I, yeah, like I think it's, it's definitely changed a lot of perspective things for me and I think it probably needed to, but yeah, it's just part of life. You know, you get hit with these things and it tests you a lot. And I think you need to take the lessons where you can. And it's been a real lesson for me in terms, I'm such a planner. Like I'm so, I'm not a control freak or mm. I'm not a super organized person, but I like to know what's going to happen. Yeah. And this has 
been the complete opposite of that. But it's, yeah, it's put a lot of things into perspective for me. And I think the resilience and the strength that it's taught me and Dan and Mm. us as individuals and as a couple has been incredible. So it's, it's terrifying, but yeah, it's one of those things that I'm looking forward to looking back on it and going, wow, we actually got through this. And that taught us a lot. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's the ultimate lesson in surrendering. Oh, absolutely. Yep. And leaning right into the process too, because, Mm. you know, so often with emotions, we don't want to handle them. We want to just get past them. Yeah. And that's a big thing that I've learned that it's okay to be really sad and it's okay to hate the world, but you have to find a way to go, okay, I've wallowed for long enough. I'm mm-hmm. going to find a way to, to create some happiness because if you don't, you just get sucked in. And I think it's it's a real – I've spoken about this before um, on my Instagram is that it's easy when you're going through something, whether it's, you know, the loss of someone or just some kind of sadness, anything that's slightly traumatic to feel guilty for wanting to be happy Mm. Or to wanting to find a way to move forward. And I think it's, yeah, we need to accept that that's okay because that's part of coping and that's part of, you know, pulling yourself through whatever it is you're going through. So I I just think it's a lesson in you will always only see what people want you to see. So someone might be coping immensely or you think that they are, but it doesn't mean they're not still struggling. Oh, yeah, big time. And like, Mm. as you said, you know, talking about feeling guilty for feeling happy or wanting to like even move on or discuss something else or think about, you know, something aside from that trauma. I mean, like the, re- I guess, and I'm sure you've recognized this in this whole journey is like the reality of life is that we're all going to be dealt shit. We're yes. all going to be like, you can't avoid shit situations and it's different for everyone. And there's no, like no situation, I guess, is more traumatic than another because, you know, we only know what we know. But you can't avoid it. You can't avoid feeling sad. You can't avoid something bad happening. You can't avoid grief, you know, because that shit's going to touch you at some point. Oh, yeah. It always catches up with you. Absolutely. And so, you know, I think it is such an incredible lesson and just learning that, recognizing that you don't get to decide what happens to you, but you can decide how you deal with it. Yes. And how you take that situation on. Yeah. Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head because, yeah, you just can't control things in life. And I think we're often guilty of, you know, downplaying someone's situation because we, like, if they're dealing with it well, or we yeah, go, it mustn't be that yeah. serious, or yeah. you mustn't be that sad. And I think we feel like we have to act or react in a certain way when something happens to us, but you get to make that choice. And the thing that I found quite empowering is that shit, that's actually the only thing that I can control. Mm. I can choose whether I sit here and be miserable and wallow in self-pity or I can choose to go, all right, this is shit, but it is what it is. We'll deal with it as it comes and I'm going to try and find happiness while I can because I deserve to and the people around me deserve that as well. Yeah. Which is hard. It's it's 
it's taken a while to get to that point. Oh God, you don't just, you don't, something doesn't happen to you and you go, oh, well, this is it. I guess that's like, that's just how it happens, but that's fine. We're going to just move on and I'm happy about it. You know, you know what? What is trauma? I'm okay (laughs) with this. And it's, it's, it's hard because, and that's, that is part of the reason why I've kept it private because everybody has their opinions. Oh yeah. And, um, disappointingly, you know, sometimes people will, will have the reaction of, oh, it's fine. Like it's not (gasps) that, that big of a deal. Um, but it's, yeah, you, you can, you are the only one who's going through the experience. You're the only one who can say how you're allowed to react to something. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to remember that as well. It's not our place to make an opinion on someone else's process. Do you think it's because people just want to, I mean, I think we've sort of touched on this, you know how everyone just wants to be able to save other people or they want to be able to provide a solution. Like we think that there needs to be a solution to everything when sometimes all we need to do is actually fucking sit there and go, that fucking sucks. Yes. And just hold space. Yep. And don't have to do anything except for just be like, what you're going through is fucking unfair and I'm so sorry you have to deal with that shit. I have no solution. I don't know what I'd fucking do in that situation. Yep. That. That is the exact response. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, you know, it, a lot of times it comes from a good place. It really does. Yeah. You know, people want to offer their advice or their stories or whatever. But I think we also have to remember that particularly if it's a medical situation, mm. you don't know the details, you don't know the specifics. My story is going to be different to Karen down the road. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Karen yeah. from Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love that you've done your medical degree and then you're giving me advice at Woolworths. I love yes. that from you. Um, <laughs> but it is one of those things where, again, it's. I think we just need to be conscious of delivery and that's all it is. Like, And I think you need to be in the headspace to accept that help or that advice Mm. because, you know, when you're sharing something and you're exposing that vulnerability, sometimes you, yeah, you just want to hear, like, I hope you're okay. You don't want, you don't want to have everybody go into fix it mode. So hence why. Like, have you tried chiropractic or like. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Have you tried meditation? (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that putting coconut oil up your vagina actually just fixes everything. Do you know what? I feel like it probably does. And (laughs) I've been doing that for the last week. So I'll keep you both. Yeah, let us know how it goes. Uh, But yeah. And and, and again, it's, it's all about timing. You know, we'll share when we're ready to share and Mm -hmm. when I feel like I can add value because I definitely think. You know, I would never want someone to go through what we've gone through, but the reality is they do and they do 10 times worse. And I'm grateful for that. But yeah, it's, it's about finding the time and letting yourself process before getting everyone else involved. And you have to be able to, like, you can't share if you haven't even really been able to fully process what's going on. And as you said, like, you really can't completely process it until he is here yes and and even then it's going to be like a journey for us yeah and and it's going to be learning along the way and I think yeah you have to be aware that that's where the like it's a fluid process do you think when you've got a bit of a social profile and people you know are following you on Instagram we see this with like (laughs) bigger stuff (laughs) 
bigger stars. Not that we're not I mean, in. You got trolled yesterday, so I, I know that you're pretty much. That was very exciting for me. Thank you on a feminist post by a white male. Yeah, middle-aged <laughs> white male. Yes. Thank you, Jenny. <laughs> Thanks for weighing in, Nicholas. Um, <laughs> but you see, like people almost. If you share a certain amount of your life or if you are someone who shares your life, people expect, they almost feel like they deserve something from you. They deserve you to share it all. Like how dare you keep some shit to yourself. Yes. Have you found that at all? Have there been people who are just like, (laughs) who do you think you are not sharing your whole fucking life and all your trauma with us? Yeah, pretty much. Um, look, and, and again, I feel like it comes from a good place. Um, I do feel really, really lucky that I have such great followers. Like I've got an amazing little community and I think, again, we we talk a lot of shit about social media, but um, mm. the network of people that you can create around you is just phenomenal because, oh. you know, you would never have been exposed to those people beforehand. And I yeah. am, I've gotten some amazing advice and support. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think, you know, people do get invested in your life as if it's a reality TV show. Yeah. And I think sometimes they forget that you're still a person. You're not Nikki Kardashian. Yeah, I mean, I'm absolutely not. (laughs) So I mean, Daddy can... uh, Why did I just call you Nikki? I thought you were going down like a Nicki Minaj path. And I was (laughs) like, you know what, I'm just going to... Because I was still thinking about Nicholas. Are you (laughs) carving that out for me? Um, Because I'm okay with that. (laughs) I was just talking about Nicholas the troll. (laughs) But it's amazing how many... And and I think this would be my advice. if, If somebody has actively said that they don't want to speak about something. And this is yeah. not just on social media. This is in real life as well. <laughs> this is IRL. This, this is everywhere, <laughs> just yeah. in general, to all the Karens and Susans. And apologies if that's your name because you really oh, cop a lot of flack, It is a but... shit time to be Karen or Susan. <laughs> it really, this is sorry, not Karen. your time. This is not your time. But, you know, I'm sure you're great. Yeah. Um, if somebody says that they don't want to speak about something, just give them the space that they need. Um, I found, you know, I would get a lot of, um, I get a lot of people sharing their stories with me and I truly appreciate that because it, again, it's nice to know that you're not alone and, and there's some amazing advice that comes with that. Mm. Um, but expecting then to be entitled to know what's going on with someone else before they're ready is, it's not really fair. And I've actually found, and it's the minority, you know, most people have been incredibly respectful. Um, But I've also found that it's been people that I know or have not been as close with that have turned around and said, um, hey, what's going on? Or something I think is also really conscious is the wording is I've, I've had a couple of people say, so what's actually wrong with your baby? Oh, okay. Um, and that's, that's Jesus. quite confronting because yeah. also like, that's my child you're speaking about yeah. and you're saying like, what's wrong with him? And I just think we need to be more delicate. Um, but I've had it in person too. And there's some of our closest friends don't even know what's going on because it's it's a very emotive thing to speak about mm. and it's there's a time and a place for it and there's also a headspace for it because we're at the hospital you know every week Jesus. and if and Tuesday is our token hospital day if I <laughs> like 
you know. Have fun to have a token um, hospital day. Look, I'm pretty much VIP. <laughs> really important. You walk in, they're like, hey, girl, oh, hey, good, like, oh, sit hey. down. Do you I want a coffee? I 50% off my parking now because we're there all the time. God, so. that is the shittest <laughs> brag. <laughs> really a baller. I'm going to put that on my profile. Um, yeah. But, you know, like if I see some, if I see you on a Tuesday afternoon or if I see you on a Wednesday, I am not in a good headspace because I've just had a rough day the day before. So I just think, yeah, it's, we need to be respectful that people have their own stories and their own journeys. And the thing is, you know, a lot of people go through this stuff and they don't speak about it at all Mm. and they will process it themselves and they won't share things with you. You're never entitled to know what's going on with someone. Yeah. And I think people take it really personally as yes. well. Yes. That but you're not, not sharing. About you. No. Yes, that's exactly right. It's yep. not about you. Like everything is not like your fault. You're, you know, like people do take, yeah, that's exactly right. People yep. take it very personally. It's not about you. It has nothing to do with you. It's just like People have shit. Yes. People have shit and sometimes when they're dealing with their shit, the last thing on their mind is how that shit's affecting you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and you know, it is one of those things that it's it has immensely changed me. I've, I'm have i a very sociable person. I'm mm. very much a, um, you know, I love being around people. And for the past couple of months, I just haven't. I haven't wanted to. And I haven't engaged with people the way that I normally would have or, you know, I haven't probably been my bubbly self and it's not a reflection of them. No. It's just me kind of having that level of self-protection. Yeah. And I think, yeah, we just need to it, – it's human nature, right? We we make everything about ourselves and, and everything We're that's going on in the world. Bastards. We really are. <laughs> yeah. We're quite the asshole. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's just something to be conscious of, I guess. And I guess, like, you probably haven't because you – it's it would be exhausting for you as well to have to share everything oh, because 100%. there's so – it's not just, like, a small story. It's not just that it's, like – and you can't just, like, give a couple of sentences and that's yeah. it, you know? So, like, having to constantly relive it and share it and tell everyone about it and more people are know and then more people question you and reminding you and all yes. that kind of thing, like – no wonder it would be draining having to hang out with anyone really because like you can't be yourself because they don't know everything that's going on and you can't really be fucked telling them. Oh, that's exactly (laughs) what it is. But, and and it's because it has been such a roller coaster for us. Like Mm. we've, we've had so many ups and downs and so many changes and so many different things to process that, Saying it in one or two lines doesn't doesn't explain it, but no. it also doesn't even justify the gravity of of what we've been through. And again, yeah. like it's you know we've we've come through it and we will get through it, and I know that we will. But it's it's yeah, having to rehash that all the time. It's like I just don't want to. It's like when you when you are pregnant and you get to like forty weeks and. Everybody oh. is sending you those text messages going, oh, where's the baby? Yeah, are you still pregnant? Are, we, are you still pregnant? <laughs> Any news on the baby front? God damn it, Uncle. Yeah. Bloody John, I will tell you when the baby's here. It's yeah. like that. You know, you don't want everybody asking you all the time. And one of the things I sort of touched on when when all of this happened is it's human nature as well to do the whole 
How are you? Are you okay? No, I'm not. I'm a fucking mess. Yeah. But, you know, I'll, I'll be fine. And it's, it's, again, comes from a good place. But it's just having those those constant sort of conversations about your feelings, It's it can be exhausting. And do you think a lot of the time when people, I know like and most people always have the best intentions when they're asking oh, how you are and everything yeah. like that. But sometimes people don't actually want to hear the real answer. They don't want to yes. hear that you're actually no good. They don't want to hear that like I'm having the worst time. They're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> Where do we go from here? Shit, I was just wanting to hear like, you know, we're going okay or like we're just plodding along or, yep. you know, yep. that's like they just want like one, like seven word answer max. Definitely. And like if you've gone over that and you're actually like letting them know what's going on, they're like, fucking hell. Abort mission. <laughs> <laughs> pull back, pull back. Shit, um, <laughs> someone calling me. <laughs> that sucks. But um, anyway. Yeah. So I went on a really bad Tinder date the other day. <laughs> <laughs> it's it yeah, I, I think it is because we don't know how to handle that. Like yes. it's confronting. And you know, we're so it's like are you okay day. Yeah. We we ask or we wanna ask, but we don't always want to hear the answer. Yes. Because sometimes we're not equipped to hear the answer and that's okay too. Yeah. And I think that's again where maybe it's just a matter of going, hey, just letting you know I'm thinking of you. Yeah. If you need anything, let me know. Yes. Like that's yeah. just as thoughtful as the how are you? Are you okay? Yeah. And because sometimes you don't like, you don't want to answer, honestly. No, no. As we said, you just can't be fucked. Yeah. Yeah, like, no, I'm not okay. I hate everything. I'm having a really rough day, but I'm going to just watch Netflix. Yeah. And I don't want to hear constantly question. I don't want to be questioned about it. Yes. I just want to feel shit. Exactly. (laughs) Let me wallow for the day and eat my Ben and Jerry's in peace. Yeah. Let me just hit at Macca's for the third time (laughs) today because I'm fucking pregnant and I can. I know. And I'm having a shit day. And they're like, oh, hey, doll. Same again. Same again. (laughs) I'll see you again. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> it's your local drive-in. Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I'll be back at dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Start getting it prepared. Ooh, so true. <laughs> Far out. Yeah, you've had yeah, fucking pregnancy from hell, just to like put it nice, mildly, really. Oh, yeah, look. I mean, it hasn't exactly been ideal, but it, it's one of those things. It is what it is, and I know we'll get through it, and I know that, sadly, there's a lot of people who have experienced the same thing or mm. something similar or even worse. So, you know, I've got to be grateful for that. Um, but you know what they say. Whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And post-baby, we'll be having espresso martinis at 9 a.m. and... Fuck I'm okay yeah. with that justified decision. Yeah, so. I can't believe we went to a playground yesterday. <laughs> a play- we went to a playground yesterday and had a bar. <laughs> also, and I want to say that genius. differently, yeah. but that's exactly no, what it is. That's exactly what it is. Bar, cafe, epic, like enclosed playground, like floor to wall glass. Encaging your children. Can't hear them, mm. can see them. So you can see them like looking at you like, please come and help me, mum. Like my nine month old. No, no, sorry, um, Mrs. Iglesias. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Mother is not here right now. No, 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 you. Mother is eating her eggs and (laughs) eggs, Benny, and (laughs) ignoring you right now, to be honest. But yeah, I can't wait till we can actually have some. (laughs) I know I was like 9 a.m., like, let's get an espresso. And then I was like, oh, you're fucking pregnant. Really inconvenient. (laughs) Really inconvenient. Well, I think we should 
pretty much <laughs> I know, I think what a journey that a has time. been. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with all of us and, you know, being vulnerable and, and without even having to explain what exactly is going on, you know, you've shared just the fucking um, like emotional roller coaster that it's been, you know, and I think um, we touched a lot of the, like touched on this a lot in the pregnancy season, just hearing just the different things that people have gone mm. through and just like things that a lot of the time we can't understand, you know, and, um, bef- the week before this airs, there'll be the episode with Bron about IVF, another thing that so many of us could never understand. And that's why I think it's so by sharing, we're not only healing ourselves and others that have been through a similar situation, but we're also opening up um, conversation. We're opening up like they're just educating people about things that a lot of us could never understand. And so it's really hard to be compassionate about something that you have no idea about. Yeah. And so by, you know, talking about these things, all of a sudden you can you can try to understand what that person could possibly be going through. And you realise, like, as we said, we're selfish people. Mm. We're so stuck inside our own world. And a lot of the time we can sit there and, like, victimise and play the victim and be, well, my life's so hard because I'm, you know, going through A, B, C and D. But the thing is we've all got shit. Yep. Everyone's got shit. Yep. And so just... Yeah, getting out of ourselves and recognizing that and learning how to hold space for everyone for where they're at at that time for whatever they're going through, I think is just so important. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And and that's the thing. Not everybody talks about their shit. So it's important to have that understanding from mm. the perspective of someone who's gone through it and even just to be that supportive friend and or be conscious that this stuff does go on because yeah. if we don't talk about it, we're not aware and we're in our own little bubbles and yeah, it's just exposing those things that we need to we need to expose more. Yeah. Fuck that stigma off. Yeah. Bye bye stigma. Fuck right off. <laughs> We've all got you problems. You can go and hang out with Karen and Susie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've all got fucking problems around here, you're not the only one. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on, Danny. Not, yeah. not Nicholas. Also known from... as Nicholas. <laughs> middle-aged white male who likes yes. to pick fights with feminists. Yes. Um, let us know. So tell everyone what your the name of your podcast, how they can find it, where they can find it, everything to everything. find you. Um, okay, let me just go into my resume. No, um, <laughs> yes. So my Instagram page is called Mummy Republic. My podcast is also called Mummy Republic, which is available on all podcast outlets, oh, including amazing. Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher. Oh, what um, the fuck is Stitcher? I've never heard of that before. Android. It's like an Android oh, platform. You'd think yeah. I'd know that because I have an Android. <laughs> and you have a podcast. <laughs> yeah, but I'm a great it's, podcast host. <laughs> uh, but it's available on all, all of those platforms. But, yeah, that's basically how you can find me. Amazing. And if you love both of our podcasts, make sure that you like <laughs> and subscribe. <laughs> and write a and rating and a review. <laughs> yes. Because, uh, like, how great is supporting each other? Oh, you know. 100%. And that's the thing, again, with podcasts, like, you will find that 
there's there is a lot of us now. Yeah. <laughs> but everybody's really different and everybody yeah. can bring something different to the table. So yeah, it's it's amazing for us to support each other and Fuck yeah. you know, obviously we'll be doing this more often, but at children's playgrounds with <laughs> espresso martinis in it. And no microphones, sorry. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so make sure you go like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Um, because it helps us out it does. heaps. You don't yes. even know how much it helps us. <laughs> us, both of us. Yeah. <laughs> Both podcasts. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. I'll see you next week. Thank you. Please Ask Mickey is a Hit Network original podcast produced at Hit 105 Studios in Brisbane. Created, hosted, and produced by Michaela Burnett. Check out pleaseaskmickey.com. Editorial support from Julia Foskey, executive producers Scott McDonald and Matthew Eggleston. For more great audio stories, check out hit.com.au.